0: You
1: are listening to For More Radio, your power station with powerful teachings from the Word of God. Name of the Most High God, I thank each and every one of my listeners, those that come on in and let God use me or let me share a word of truth. I pray that it finds you in good health and, and above all, I pray that all is well. But I I come also to let you know, man, I got some good news for you today. I uh, first, of course, I want to give a shout out to our uh, um, our leader. Uh, Dr. Mori, I appreciate the fact that a woman of God would take an opportunity to step out by faith. I think that's a great time to applaud her for what she's doing unto the kingdom of God by allowing us to be a part of what God has given us. We're just here to share her vision, and I pray a double anointing, a double portion upon her and her family's life because she was willing to step out by faith. And that's what I try and do. If I find somebody that's stepping out by faith, I want to say, Lord, show me how I can help them with a kind word, uh, with something that I could do to be a blessing. Well, you know, from the whole time of you listen to anything that I've been ministering these few uh, weeks or months, since the Lord has opened this door, it keeps centering around the God kind of love. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to invite God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to come on in. Father God, I thank you that I know your truth. I know your love. I know that you're here with me right now. And Father, I humble myself before you as I attempt to honor you and follow what you placed in my heart. And Father, I'm so thankful that you would take a nothing and make me somebody. I thank you, Lord God, that you will use me. And so I open up my heart as I come before you this evening. And Father, I ask you, to pour out through my heart what you placed in there, that I'll say, thus saith the Lord, i say it in a way that the hearts of men and women will hear you and not me, that they'll be, you'll be the most seen, the most heard, the most talked about in my life. And Father, I thank you that I'm a living epistle, and that means that the best is yet to come. So Father, we invite you now, as we come before you now, in the matchless supernatural name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, tonight's message is it's simple. I got it from First Corinthians 13 and eight, but uh, I started it from the complete Jewish version. And this is what it says. These three words. Love never ends. And what you have to take into account. The fact that you even able to hear this, the fact that you're even on this earth, the fact that you got an opportunity, no matter. And I don't care how many mistakes you made. I don't care how many problems you got. Well, you got 99 problems, but the Bible is not one of them. Come on now. Had to change it up. But, But I'm saying to you, if you listen to what God is saying in his word, it's not too late. My God, it's not too late to get it right with him. It's not too late to get in a position that God can minister to you, that God can use you. And I know, look, look, you listen to somebody who fits in with many of the characters in the Bible. I made a lot of mistakes. But I thank God, even though I made a mistake or made mistakes, he opened his heart and he says, you can come back to him. He says, if I open up my heart, I can let him into my heart and he will forgive me. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's why I quote Romans chapter eight, verse one. There is therefore no condemnation, glory to God, in Christ Jesus. Now, why are you saying all this? Because we are talking about the supernatural love of God. Now, I pointed out last week that these three are just like... It's just like water and wet. You don't get one without the other. Love of God, the word of God, the faithfulness of God. And you can interchange it because they always, you don't get one without the other. The faithfulness of God, the word of God, the love of God. The word of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God. They always working together. And he's wanting us to understand that everything he did was because he loves humanity. Everything he did, he knows that we will make horrible mistakes. Oh, my God, as I was looking at this, now, it's got to be mental illness, but I saw this young woman, 33 years old, was given uh, stewardship over her niece and nephew. And it has to be mental illness, but when the police pulled her over, Uh, She was acting erratic and didn't have a registration, didn't have a license plate, so we're going to impound your car. And she said, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be known all over. And so he says, well, you can get your belongings out the car. And the policeman opens, she opens the trunk, and there's a smell of uh, decomposition. She had either murdered or, I don't know how she did it, but her niece and nephew had decomposed in the back of her car. So there are some things that no human being should do or be a part of. But even in the midst of this heinous crime, God is still willing to forgive her because she's got life. But he says, there's no reason we should ever think that God's love isn't available. Because what the point I'm trying to make is this. Because when you hear the horrible things human beings do to other human beings are to themselves. Your first response is like, we need to get them or we need to get rid of them. But God's love is unselfish. Now, you know, when I look at the words unselfish, it's funny. It's not a whole lot to explaining it, except it simply says, the dictionary says, not, uh, <laughs> not selfish. I said, well, what does unselfish mean? Not selfish. So I said, well let me look up selfish. Selfish is devoted to a caring only for oneself, concerned primarily with one's own interests, one's own benefit, welfare, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, regardless of what it does or how it makes others feel. But we have to remember this love that God has offered us is a love that is for those who are willing to be unselfish, or in other words, not selfish. And that's why we lose so many people, because you trying to hold on to selfishness and walk in love. It will not work. And that's why I said, I'm reading this to you from the Amplified. Go to Matthew 5, verse 44, because I'm reading it to you from the Amplified. And he says unto us, but I say unto you, love. Now, people try and say it, but love is not a manipulative manipulative word. Love is a sincere word from God. It's a word that God gave us because when he's moved into the hearts of each and every one of us, it's so that we can have the same kind of love. He has for us. The same kind of love that forgave you for stabbing your brother, your sister in the back, the one that's lied and cheated and did everything against others. This love is what he says he's putting in the hearts of each and every one that's a believer. I see you, the author, uh, publisher, pastor extraordinaire, Dennis Stephen Hamilton. I got your name right this time. God bless you, my brother beautiful brother in the Lord. Y'all need to catch his uh, recordings. They're, they're supernatural. He says, Matthew 5 and 44. But I say to you, love, that is unselfishly. And what does unself selfishly mean? Not selfish. <laughs> seek the best. That's what he's telling us to do. He says, seek the best or higher good for your enemies. Wow. And pray for those that persecute you. My God. Now you know that, that's a mouthful right there. For God to tell us to pray for them that despitefully use us, those that those that are hindrance to us. And you know, and as I was preparing for this, I always go back to this statement that Jesus said in Luke 22, 42. Because I have to keep reminding myself, because there's another statement, I believe it's in Matthew where he says, um, my meat, my meat comes from obeying the word. But look what he says in Matthew 22, 42. This is what Jesus is saying. And for us to operate in this kind of love that he's talking about, we got to say the same thing. Why is that? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And what you're doing is you're saying it by faith that you might, your heart and your mind will be renewed, so you can follow this level of love. He says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, yes, Lord, remove this cup for me. That's what a person says when they're totally, completely committed to the things of God. He says, But nevertheless, Father, Not my will, but thy will. Nevertheless, Father, what you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever I got to give up to obey you, that's it for me. I'm waiting for an amen in there. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, this is an unselfish statement. Remember who Jesus is, Yeshua the Messiah. He gave up heaven to come upon this earth for you and for me. He gave up his his position of authority, his position of pleasure, of opulence, and he came to this earth for you and for me. That's truly unselfishness. And he says, Father, I don't want to go through this, but if that's what I have to do, I'm willing to do it because I want to be obedient to you. That's what real love is all about. Where you're willing to submit yourself and everything you have into the hands of God. Where you entrust your life, your family, your relationship, your job, your money, every aspect of your life. You're willing to entrust it to God. Because God is unselfish and he wants you to be unselfish so he can bless you unselfishly. I like that. How about you? But look, I tell you what, I'm still in uh, Amplified. Look at Matthew 19. Because this is a very interesting portion of the Bible. Look at verse one. Now, when Jesus has finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went to the part of Judea that is beyond the Jordan. And the large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. I like that. So he's saying, if I follow Jesus, if I follow this word, he'll heal me wherever I am. I like that. He said by his stripes we were healed, right? That's love. So that means that God didn't give you sickness. It's an attack of the enemy. But look at verse 3. And the Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking him. Now, this is what's so significant about this. Because most people that don't really know God, they're always testing him, always questioning him. Is the Bible right? Is God the creator or is it the Big Bang? That's usually a clear sign that you really don't know who God is. Because John says the Holy Spirit, the world has no idea who he is. Because if they did, they'd be on their face before God and say, God, I need the Holy Spirit to operate in me. But look what he says here. Verse 3, Amplify: Is it lawful? Now, let me help you. By the grace of Almighty God, we just made 42 years of marriage. And we, and we now we own the journey to make another forty-two, and after that we might make another forty-two, because I, I love my wife dearly. But I had to learn what I'm, what God is ministering to you tonight. For a marriage to work, it's going to take two people who are committed to God, and willing to be unselfish with each other. Because that's most of the time why marriages don't. Because unselfishness, either on one side or both sides. You know, I I love this. It's mine because I can't remember who I got it from. But um, this minister said, I'm going to marry you. But if y'all decide that this doesn't work, I want you to call all of us back to the church, bring all the gifts back we bought y'all. And then I want you to explain to us before you get divorced why this marriage didn't work. I married people and I knew. In my heart, they weren't ready. And I knew they had wrong motives, but they wanted to get married. I don't, I'm not the one that's got to make your marriage work. You have to go to God, the inventor of marriage, for it to work. And he says, is it lawful, verse 3 amplified, for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Well, you know, that's a trick question. They want to ask Jesus a question they think they know the answer to. But, you know, I always remind, remind me of this, because 99% of the men who've never been to church, who heard a word in the Bible, they know the Bible says, Husband, submit yourselves to your wife. But they never read the, the scripture right underneath it. It says, Husband, love your wife like Christ loves the church. In other words, you got to be willing to die for your wife. I'm, I'm losing you right there. But he says, he told her told her why. wife, said, love your husband. Let me see if I can find that scripture since it come up. Let me see. Yeah. I found it. uh, It's in there several times, but we'll take it from um, Ephesians 5 and verse 33. He says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. He's telling in Ephesians, he's telling you to love your wife like you love you. And most of the times when people have issues with selfishness, because they love them more than they do anybody else. That's why you ought to, you ought to be alone, and maybe that's what you should be instead of bringing somebody in your twisted, selfish lives. Ephesians, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Matthew 19, verse 3, in the Amplified. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And look, Jesus has a word for you now. You may not like it, but he got a word. He says, have you ever read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? In other words, it was God's design that two of the opposite sex will come together in holy matrimony. Well, my state says, we can marry same sex. Well, that's your state says that. Well, the world says we can do it. That's the world saying that. But the Bible clearly tells you what he wants. If you don't like what God says, argue with him. All I'm trying to do is follow him. I'm not judging you. I can't judge you because I still got that areas I'm believing God to help me in. So I'm not picking on you. I'm just going by what he says. He said it was between a man and a woman. You don't want to believe that? God gave you the choice, and I certainly can't take it from you. So I'm not trying to persecute you, but I'm just showing you what God says. Verse 5, and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother. In other words, before you connect with a woman, you should be man enough to have your own household Or have your own ability to accomplish things. That's what he's saying. He says, you've got to be able to sustain what you're taking on. And see, I know it's complicated now. Because during that time in history, rarely did the woman lead the household. But unfortunately, that's not the way it is sometimes. And sometimes the husband has to be the house husband and the wife goes out. But that's a decision y'all have to make together. And I would definitely include God. So I'm not persecuting you, I'm just telling you how it works. And he said, for this reason, a man, not a boy, and see, that's my wife's issue. Because (laughs) and she's listening tonight, oh my God. She married a boy. But thank God we was able to stay together long enough until I grew up. Because that's the problem with so many marriages. You marry a boy. Because all you did was saw Dreamboat. You didn't know Dreamboat was really shipwrecked. Because you did not not go to God to make sure that that individual qualifies to be a man of the house. Because leadership, one of the things I've learned about leadership is I don't need to micromanage you. Because you may know something about the job that I don't know. But my job is to encourage you, enlighten you, and let you know what I need done. Because you may be able to do the, the old saying, I hadn't said in a long time, if you build a better mousetrap, the world will be the path to your doing. In other words, if you come with a better way to doing something, then you will have people. Then I always go back to, uh, um, um, his name slipped my heart, but I'll say it in a moment, John Maxwell. He says... If you can figure out to the answer the bigger problem, people will always come to you. And if you're going to make a marriage work, God's telling you, you got to put him first. And he's also telling you, as we go through this, you can't be selfish. It can't always be your way. Well, I'm the man of the house. Yeah, but you don't know how to cook. And if you want to eat and she does, well, you better let You let her manage it. Don't go in there trying to help her cook when she knows what she's doing. (laughs) He says, have you ever, because my wife, I always remember this. Uh, I worked a lot of hours when I was in the car business. I would work about no less than 50, sometimes 60, 65 hours a week. And my only day off was Sunday at that time. And so, um. I would I would hide behind that to a degree. But I was always there for my kids when I you know, whenever they were playing sports or whatever. But the thing is, she was telling me, look, it takes me too long to get dressed. I know I get off before you, but if you could just give me this little time and take the kids to school, that would help me out. But no, my leadership was saying, I work more hours than you. I'm not taking the kids to school. And this is before telephones like we have now. And I'll never forget, I'm looking out the kitchen window because she and made me fix breakfast. And my kids call me toast man because I didn't know how to, I don't really know how to cook. But I do butter toast, jelly toast, sugar toast. And man, I thought I was really to catch me out when I could do French toast. But what I want you to hear is my wife says, I need the extra time, and she pull out the driveway, and I can see her now pulling out, and I'm in the house with the kids, and I knew what that meant. I got to take them to school, and you know what? That was the best decision she could have ever made for me, because even though I worked a lot of hours, it gave me time to spend with my kids in the morning. We laugh, we joke, we listen to music. We just have fun. And I, I enjoyed it. And I'm forever grateful to my wife for having that wisdom. Now, now, if I'd have made her submit to me, I would have missed some of the best times in my life. Because let me tell you, parents, if you want to love your children, you only get to raise them about, what, 20 years, 21, 22? Then they gone. So, you need to enjoy that, that time when they need you so much because I tell, tell that to people all the time. I said, once they're on their own, you really got to pray for them because, see, when, when they're when they just starting to walk, they depend on you for everything. Well, here, let's go back to the word. Verse 4, Amplified, Matthew 19. He replied, Have you never read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man, shall, a man. he didn't say a boy, shall leave his father and the two shall become, I'm sorry, leave his father and mother. And, and let me help you. <clears throat> if you're married and you have family that love you, keep them out of your arguments. We knew that when we weren't saved. My family loves me. My wife's family loved her. And we developed that when we first got married, even though we weren't safe, is whatever arguments we have, we're not going to let our family know because our family loves us. And so they're going to pick whoever side that they're on. And so it would be funny <laughs> we'd be we'd be having a heated discussion and then her mother or her brother or her sister would knock on the door and we'd go, Oh, come on in. <laughs> because we understood we could not involve them in this. And so that's what helped us. I'm just giving you points. Because if you're going to make a marriage work, you have to give up being selfish. You got to give up counting. Oh, wait, let me see. I had two scoops of potato salad, she had three. So I need to get one more. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I got four Ps. She got five Ps. No, let's cut that one in half. No, quit being selfish if you want to do it God's way. Because what's going to happen is when you involve him into your relationship and you're doing all you can to walk by faith and love on your your spouse unselfishly, God going to deal with your spouse. And let me tell you, I tell it to people, people think I'm laughing. I know on first, on first authority, if they won't treat you right, got to get rid of them and replace them with one seven times better. <laughs> How you know? Because it happened to me. What do you mean it happened to you? I was not doing right with God. My wife said, either get him saved or get him out of my life. And I had a vision of my wife with another man. Raising my children, and it broke my heart. And I was like one of those mimes; I couldn't get over there to them because that man that used to live in this body was not going to be there for my wife. And so, when I gave my life to the Lord, I'm the man that God had put in her heart because she stood her ground. And you know, and she said, I said all the time, and it, and it amazes me how it goes over people's head. You want what God has for you. But you got to do it God's way. And if it means walking by faith and not by sight, then that means you're going to say statements like either get right with God or we're done. That sounds so cold. No, I'd rather be alone with God than be with you and be lonely. Y'all get that tomorrow. For this reason, a man, not a little boy, shall leave his mother and his father and be joined inseparably. In other words, not separated. Because uh, I, I, I smile about that because that's the song, uh, well, I think her name was Mellow. My wife, Sora, from college, she sang, Inseparable, dun-dun, dun-dun. that's how we'll always be, inseparable. And we have been inseparable for over 42 years. God, I know I got cut and sc- scraped a few times, but we still together. We got through all that. I had to give up my selfishness. I was raised by an enduring mother who lost her first husband after three years, her second husband after 10 years, and she oodled, oodled me, and I, I, I really didn't like it. But my mother, and her trying to protect me, she ruined me. So when I got married, I, my wife had to retrain me because <laughs> if I dropped my clothes on the floor, my mother would pick them up, wash them, fold them, and stick them in the closet or in the in the chest of drawers or wherever. When I did it with my wife, I, had to, I opened up a battlefield, and I said, you know what? I'm going to start picking up my own clothes. I think that's a good idea. Y'all get that tomorrow. We're talking about over 40 years ago. It didn't take me long to catch on. It wasn't working. We're walking about love. Love never ends. And the love of God is not selfish. So if you're in a position where you got to make a decision, because I guarantee you, if we sit down and dissect it and open it up and look into what's going on in a relationship, either one or both are, are, are selfish. And then it gets to a point the one that's not selfish, they'll get to a point where they say, God, I've had enough and I'm done. Whoo, Lord, I've seen that. It's not a pretty thing. It's not a pretty thing when somebody has been unselfish in their relationship and then they want to they want to win back the other person. I've seen it go both ways. But when you have dedicated your life to the Lord and you're doing what is unselfish in a relationship, God's going to stick with the one that's doing it his way. So if I were you, I'd change. What do you mean? That's what I had to do. I've had to change, and let me tell you, I'm still changing because sometimes I forget. <laughs> Y'all need to know what, what happens when I forget. He says, because you have been joined inseparably to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Let me ask you this. I'm talking about marriage, and I'm talking about love. I'm talking about being unselfish. Um, if you have a perfectly good left arm, would you go get a knife and cut it off?
2: plus
1: would you stick your hand in a buzz saw saw no not if you're in your right mind why because one that's gonna hurt two you're gonna be without that limb or that or that or, or your fingers because you made a dumb mistake what am I trying to get you to hear in the eyes of God now God created marriage not not man not the government not people God created this and he said what he said meant what he said. And so in the eyes of God, when you have joined together in holy matrimony, in, I, in the eyes of God, you're one. And so if you're selfish and cut off one part of your arm, you're doing it, and God, it hinders God for doing what he wants to do. But if you're going to be who God's called you to be, you got to remember, love the word of God, faithfulness, it never ends. Faithfulness, love, the word of God, it never ends. It's always there. And see, when I'm see- when I'm saying this to, to you, I'm listening to me. I can't raise my voice to my wife, my children. I mean, I understand we all got issues we're dealing with. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Bible says it's the little foxes. 'Cause the big things y'all know to come together, but it's the little foxes leaving the toilet seat up, <laughs> uh, not picking up behind yourself, not putting the trash out. That's one thing I loved about my son when he was at the house. He didn't put the trash. Out. <laughs> and then when our daughter, when she lived with us, she was she she had to clean up. She come clean the house, and we'd give her the money for gas and all like that. But now she doesn't do that anymore. But he says, a man shall leave his father, and a mother shall be joined inseparably. That's what women, listen to what he's saying. A man, look what he says. A man and a woman. Let's see, where is it at? and shall be joined together for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall join inseparably to his wife and the two because that's the problem most women marry immature men and it causes them problems because then by the time they mature men take it a little longer they say i know that to be true that's what happened to me I learned this on good authority. He says, so that they are no longer two but one flesh, verse 7. Therefore, what God has joined together, look what he says now. What God has joined together, this is the Amplified, he said, no, let no one separate them. So, in other words, if God is joined you together, you say that's the man you wanted or that's the woman you wanted, then no one but God can separate you, and he doesn't. He calls you equally yoked together. Good place to say amen. But look here, here are the Pharisees trying to, you know, it, this is the craziest thing, trying to trap Jesus. Verse 7, the Pharisees said to him, well, why didn't, Moses command us to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away. That part is real easy. You can have the word. You can love God, because I've known people in ministry, people in uh, different walks of life. Uh, for me, I met a therapist many, many years ago who would counsel people on marriages. But himself had had a couple of marriages. So that's telling me he doesn't really know what he's doing. Because it's one thing to know how to do it. It's another thing to do it. Because it's going to require you to walk in God's love, God's faithfulness, God's word. And let me add this. And be unselfish. Because God's love is not selfish. Because your hearts are hard and stubborn. This is why marriages break up. Not because of the love of God. Not because of who God picked them. I hear people say, oh, he my soulmate. He my soulmate. Maybe he is or he isn't. I don't know. But I'm not trying to frighten you from it. I'm just trying to tell you how to make it work. See, look, I'm here. I believe this is what you told me to do. So, Father... I'm going to lay me down, and I'm going to let you work this out. Because I watch people um, marry them too soon because they weren't ready. And then there's some um, marry at w- w- which we think are extremely young ages. My daughter and her husband got married in their early 20s. And to me, I go, ooh, that's early but she was mature. My daughter was always mature. And my son-in-law, son-in-law, he's, he's a mature young man. He's, he's more mature than I was at his age. My son also. My son has always been more mature than me at our different ages in life. Because they listen. We trained them, but they listen. It's one thing to train and another thing for them to listen. He says, verse 8, and he said to them, because your hearts were hard. In other words, you would not be forgiving. You would not be unselfish. Oh, you're going to do it my way. Oh, you're going to do it this way. Oh, you're going to And that's all you do. You cause confusion. You know, and, and uh, I know that when I've had a real challenging time or things are coming against me and it's trying to mess with my emotions, I have to watch it that I don't take it out on the innocent people because I'm in thought about what I'm going to deal with this person that has challenged me or aggravated me or done something that pushed me in a bind or whatever. And then this person will say, hello, and I'm like, what, what? I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. My mind was somewhere else. I shouldn't have responded the way I did. Let me apologize. But then I have offended that person because you got to be careful, he says, because your hearts were hard and stubborn. Whoo! my goodness. You want to make a marriage work? Get rid of selfishness and stubbornness. You want to see a marriage go go down in destruction? Keep being hard-headed, hard-hearted, and keep being stubborn. Don't want to change. Don't want to move the other way. I love my wife's cooking. I love it. But we work a lot. we in ministry together. We got to school together. We've had businesses together. We do everything together. So I had to understand, okay, what you want to eat? And I mean, I can cook it, but I can sure go buy it for you. So what am I saying? I understand that, that's not therapy for her. Now, I love it. You know, I, I met some people that, that, that have the same situation that we do, and the wife loves to cook or the husband loves to cook. Well, I don't really know how to cook. I can do breakfast. That's about it. So I understand. I'm not going to deprive her. I want to keep her energized. My wife loves her family, and they can. I, I didn't have brothers and sisters in the natural, and they can talk for hours. And I engage that. I enjoy that for her because it's something she loves. And so what I do is I don't try and hinder her from doing it. I want her to love what she does. And I know she needs to have her downtime just like she knows I need to have my downtime. She so says, because your hearts are hard and stubborn, Moses permitted you to divorce. That's not the will of God. There's a permissive will and a permitted will. He permitted you to do it, but it wasn't his perfect will. His will is if you sign them papers and you get that in front of everybody, you put everything you can, all your prayers, all your unselfishness, or your willingness to change, and then you let God deal with the other person, and if they don't do right, God to get rid of them. Because <laughs> uh, I was thinking about my brother-in-law in Kansas City. One of his fellow church members was in his late 70s, or early 80s, and his wife passed, and he attracted a young, attractive uh, uh, woman in the ministry, and uh, they decided to get married. Well, he had some issues. He had his pictures of his uh, his deceased wife all over the house. He had some different things. And so uh, the new wife wanted him to take him down. Well, that was a problem for him. <laughs> but, but what tickled me the most is that he's in his late 70s, early 80s. And this is what he said. She won't cook and clean. <laughs> so he, um, he had the marriage annulled. Why? Both of them had the wrong motives. She probably came in because he had a few dollars. Looked good for his age. But he wanted somebody to fill his wife's place, but he didn't want to take his wife's picture now. Because when I talked to my brother-in, he always talks. He was married. My brother-in was married for 62 years. And he still misses my stepsister who died 11 years ago. So he's not interested in getting married. Of course, he's 95. But look what he says in verse 8. Amplify Matthew 19, verse 8. Remember, the love of God never fails. Never fails. Never fails. Never fails. It never ends. Because your hearts are hard and stubborn, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. You can divorce your wife in the government. And they will call you a divorcee. But are you a divorcee in the eyes of God? Because we're going to get to this part as we go through it. We're going to see the only reason that God allows for divorce from, from the unselfish one. The selfish one can do what they want because they're ungodly. And so they know they're missing God. Or they I not mean, even know they're missing God. But the ungodly, you have no rule over it. Like people say, well, he just smoking and drinking and 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 uh, partying all night. Is he saved? Well, no, he's not saved. Well, he's ungodly. So he's doing what ungodly people do. But if you're born again, spirit-filled, under the unction of God, then God expects more from you good place to say amen. He says, because your hearts were hard and stubborn, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. Why? Because when God married you, you're married. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, or a wife divorces a husband, Except for sexual immorality. And marries another woman commits adultery. And right now, I think I'm safe in saying this. Mental or physical abuse. Drug abuse. I'm safe in saying that. Then you permitted to in the marriage. Now some people will hold on and win the spouse back and I applaud them for that. But I don't have I can't I can't persecute you because your spouse is beating you up or talking down to you or cheating on you or they got drugs involved, gambling involved, and they don't wanna they don't want to break the habit. I, I can't fault you for that. Now I I'm just gonna now the word only says sexual immorality. And, um, and saying, you can't marry another woman. Doesn't even say the man, but I know what God meant here. I, I think I'm careful in saying that. Because then, that, that wasn't enough. The, the disciples said to Jesus, if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, is it better not to marry? In other words, if you got a wife cheating on you or things are just not going right, is it better not to marry? No. It's not better to be alone. If you have the desire, open your heart and let God send you the spouse, one that you can enjoy, one that you can be with. No. No, because see, it's selfish to try and get your thrills off of watching somebody on video, porn. It's selfish. You don't want you don't want you don't want to build a relationship. That's real selfishness there. Or you want to pay somebody to give you a a, a physical relief because you don't want to pay the price. See, a relationship, a marriage takes supernatural work. You're going to need God, and you'll need God's word, you'll need God's love, and you need God's faithfulness, and you're going to have to give up being selfish. Wow. And look, you going to, have to give up being stubborn too. And listen, I know y'all think I'm talking about men, but women can be stubborn too. I know but if you want to have what God has for you, because he says, love never ends. So in the eyes of God, he wants you to marry forever. But what if they die of natural causes? Then you permitted to remarry. You permitted to remarry. My mother, um, you know, that's one of the things I pointed out, is that my father and my mother married, and uh, Three years after they were married, he was killed in a plant accident, but she was released. As much as she loved my father, he had crossed over. And then she met my uh, wonderful man, my stepfather, I had a great stepfather. And his latter years, I call him daddy, but he was much older than my mother. And then he died, and then she was free to marry again. With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. going put two in the ground so she didn't marry again before she crossed over he says in verse 10 the disciples said to Jesus amplified version if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this is it better not to marry but he said to them not all men can accept this statement but only those whom the capacity to receive it has been given There are some people that are not interested in the physical attributes of a relationship because God clearly says no fornication. Y'all know what that means if you don't look up the word. And then he says no adultery. So you either abstain or you're married. Abstain or you're married. Abstain or you're married. There's no in between with God. But he's wanting us to understand if you're going to take on this great opportunity, it's an opportunity to join your life with somebody. Because I always remember um, what Billy D. Williams said to um, Diana Ross' character in Mahogany. said, so what good is a relationship, I mean success, without somebody to share? I wouldn't want to have to come home and not have my wife to share the things that we've done. Uh, when when we had the chance to minister to somebody and they got the victory or or when somebody said something that they got from us. You know, that, that that means a lot to me. I have something I can share with her. And then she likes to share with me. And I've had to learn. i got to turn that TV off. I thank God now that we can uh, record the sports and <laughs> different things because I had to train myself. She wants to talk to me then i got to stop and i got to listen. i uh AS was was e. EF Hutton many many years ago. uh stock brokerage company. They said when EF Hutton speaks everybody listens. Well, listen, if your spouse is speaking, you better listen. And you got to train yourself. There are times when they just want to listen because what helped me so much is that it's not so much that my wife wants me to tell her what to do. She wants to just tell it and just let, and, and and then she can hear it and she can tell what, what to make the adjustments with. And sometimes the same thing with me. I may not necessarily want an answer. I'm speaking it out because I'm trying to hear it. I'm trying to understand, is this the way God is leading me or am I going wrong? But that's what God is. Men, God gave you a helpmate. Use her. He's going to use her. the foolishness is to thing God can't use your spouse. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh I can't hear a woman preach. Well, I guess you going to you, I guess you missed what happened to Moses because M- Moses married a preacher, a pastor. His wife was a shepherdess and the shepherdess translates into pastor. I'm about truth. I'm about the word of God. And it doesn't matter to me what gender they are. All it matters to me, is it the truth? Is it what God is saying? That's what I'm about. Because I don't want to get caught up with, um, I can't no woman preach to me. Well, if you listen to your mama before, you might not marry who you married the first four or five times. (laughs) Because... um, Percy Sledge had a famous blues song or R and B song many, many ago. Um, uh, Take Time to Know Her. And he used to be our neighbor. And the song it simply says, I went to mama and said, Mama, I want you to meet my future bride. And my mama pulled me to the side. She said, Son, take time to know her. Love is not an overnight thing. In other words, mama could tell she wasn't ready. <laughs> you might have been ready. But she wasn't ready. You better listen to your mama. I thank God for my mother. I thank God she's with the Heavenly Father. But my mother, my mother could see things I couldn't see. And your wife can see things you can't see. And wives, pray for your husband. Oh, my God. Pray for them that they hear from God. Oh, my God. Lay in the gap and pray for them. Because God knows we need your help. Because one of the things I know, um, you can only see, what is it, um, 180 degrees to your uh, between your right and your left. You can't see all the way behind you. But if you stand back to back, we would do that exercise sometimes. I put my back to my wife and her back to mine. And see, what that means is I can see what's coming up in front of me and around me. But she could see what was behind me. And so we always looking. Our heads are not like a bird. A lot of birds can turn their head all the way around when we're not like that. And so what God's wanting you to know is marriage is of God. And marriage should be built upon love. Why? Because love never, never fails. It never ends. It never gets old. It's always available for them that want it. I want it, God. I want to operate in the love of God. What about you? And I want to see my marriage work. I mean, let me tell you, 42 years is nothing. I saw somebody just celebrated 65 years. And so that's a blessing. It's a lot of work, but I thank God. I got this a long time ago, uh, Genesis 8 and 22. As long as the earth remaineth, there is seed, time, and harvest. So if I take the time and plant the word of God into my marriage, into my relationship, if I take the time and plant the love that God has put in my heart for my spouse, if I take the time and walk in the faithfulness that my father has walked in my life, then God can benefit my marriage. He can grow my marriage. He can expound my marriage, and he can make it fruitful. Because he told us, he told us in Genesis, he says, I put in you to be fruitful and multiply. Well, that's what he wanted. He wants you to be fruitful and multiply. And marriage is a key way for you to multiply. Because two can do better than one if they work together. And that's all God is saying. I just want to take a moment as we're getting ready to bring it to a close. I'd like to offer you an opportunity to um, receive this prayer. And it requires you to follow along with me. It's based on Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Because this is a transitional moment for some of you, if you've never said this prayer. And you're going to say it from your heart. He's going to use your voice, but it's going to come from deep within you because you're, you're changing. You're getting yourself in a relationship. Because when you say this, then the love of God is going to come into your heart. And then all of a sudden, you're going to care more than you ever cared, and you're going to be in a position that God can minister to you. So repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you suffered and died for me upon this earth. That God the Father sent you and you were beaten beyond human recognition. You were hung upon the cross, but you died for me unselfishly because you love me and you love mankind. But on the third day, God the Father raised you from the grave, and you're now seated at the right hand of the Father. And now I'm inviting you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to rest, rule, and abide in me, that the word of God will come alive in me, that I will walk in the fullness of God's truth in Jesus' name. Now, the second part of this prayer is based on the fact that, yes, you're born again, that prayer, you're born again. But whether you're born again, you still need to repent for anything that you've done against God because God knows people make mistakes. That's why he put this in you. This prayer, this portion of the prayer is based on 1 John 1 and 9. We always want to go by what the Word says. So repeat this after me. Say, Father God, you promised me that if I ask you to forgive me, Of anything I've done against you, my fellow man, or even myself, you're faithful and just to forgive me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe I'm totally forgiven in Jesus' holy name. Well, (laughs) praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Excuse me. What an honor it is to give your life to the Lord. And if you've been backsliding to give your life back to God, God rejoices with you and he celebrates you and we celebrate you too. Now, the third part of this, this is the part you have to do. You have to go to God and say, God, I need to know more of you. I need you to assign me a ministry, a God-fearing, God-loving ministry that will help me and teach me your ways. And I know you have pastors after your own heart. Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you lead me to go. I'm willing to join and give my services unto the Lord and be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Well, I certainly enjoyed this time of ministering to you. Like I said, it's an opportunity for me to sow seeds. And I believe that when I sow good seed in the good ground, God will always give me a harvest. Now, we're venturing out. We're here on Spreaker on 4 More Radio each Monday night at 7.30 p.m., Download it, share it with your friends. If Let it be a blessing to others, especially those that are having marriage questions. I, I, I'm a little bit of an expert. 42 years makes me a little bit of an expert. And then if you'd like to hear one of our live programs tomorrow, each Tuesday at high noon, we have High Noon Prayer. And that's on Facebook and YouTube. And also you can find us now on Holy Spirit Network I'm sorry, Holy Spirit Broadcasting Network. TV. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook, uh, internet, route to a whole bunch of places. So join in, make your comments, share because we have been doing what God has called us to do and this is just an opportunity to share with each and every one of you. We, we wish nothing but love, grace and peace and great success in your life. And we tell you what the Word says. Walk by faith, not by sight. God bless you. For those who only catch me on air, we'll be back Monday evening at 730. If you want to see us live, check us out tomorrow at High Noon Prayer, Central Standard Time. God bless you. I'm your host, Pastor Charles E. Brown, with Prevailing Faith Broadcast from Prevailing Faith Ministries at 1111 Plaza Boulevard, Monroe, Louisiana. You can also email me at pastor at PrevailingMinistries.com We'll see you next week.